Geico presents Sharing versus Oversharing. Earlier this week, Claire Tippin shared a princess nickname generator, three pictures of her dog wearing a tutu, and two online quizzes, including what candy is your dream castle made of? Claire, your sharing has tipped the sugar scale and turned into oversharing. But have no fear, princess. Geico has something worth sharing with your internet kingdom, like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance just by visiting geico.com. No magic wand required. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. This is Maisha with the Empowered Box Network, and I'm...
Boss Network. I'm super glad that you are joining us this morning. <clears throat> I am actually uh, excited for our guest that's going to be on. And as usual, I want to remind you that our ministry, our businesses are a ministry. And so that's why I came out with the Kenton Jones song about the kingdom and the business being about your ministry. There is somebody that you're tied to. There's somebody that needs your service, your product, and um, and so that's why I, I, I focus on some of the kingdom songs that you hear. So I hope it didn't offend anybody. Just reiterating the message that your business is your ministry. Today we have a guest on, and I'm glad he's been waiting for me, and I want to bring him on, Mr. Jim Palmer, who is known as the newsletter guru. So I'm going to bring him on right now so that he can give you some marketing tips, give you some ideas that is going to help elevate your business, your ministry to the next level, get you uh, positioned to be exposed to a broader audience, and get you implementing some techniques that's going to uh, take you to another level. Mr. Jim, are you there? I am. How are you, Maisha? I'm doing well. I'd like to thank you for holding on for for so long and adjusting your schedule to be on this show. We welcome you and we're honored to have you. I just would like to take this moment to allow you to introduce yourself so that the people can hear the facts about what you do and what you represent right from your mouth. Well, I run, a, uh, I run a business called Custom Newsletters Incorporated, which is parent company of uh, No Hassle Newsletters, No Hassle Social Media, Success Advantage Publishing, No Hassle Infographics, and um, I publish a bunch of books, info products, I have a coaching program, and I think that ought to cover it pretty nicely. Awesome. Well, I know that um, when I went over some of your information that you had, one of the things that stuck out to me um, was your book, which we'll get to a little bit later, um, your book about dreaming and what's holding you back and getting entrepreneurs prepared for the journey of, of entrepreneurship and business and, and that you know what that entails. And I haven't had the privilege of reading the book just yet, but I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. But um, before we get to that, I'd like to ask you a few questions. One, 
which hits home for me, which is what actually do you think holds people back from becoming entrepreneurs or starting that business or building that vision that they have? What do you think actually holds them back from that? What holds most people back, Maisha, is fear. Um, so whether it's fear of failure or so there's a thing called fear of success and certainly fear of the unknown. Um, you know, a lot of folks are, are either employed or, or have some kind of a steady job, but they have an idea, you know, to, to create a business. But there's, there's a lot to be said for a steady paycheck, direct deposit, benefits, vacation, and all that. And, of course, when you go start your own business, you have none of that until you, until you build your successful business. So it is hard for a lot of people to walk away with something that is known, even if it's something they're not liking or digging or comfortable with right now, and, and taking a chance. But um, I think that, in a, in a large sense, says why there is this... You know, you always hear about, you know, the, the top 1% or 2% or the 80-20, however you want to look at it. That's why that exists because not everybody's comfortable risking, risking losing your job, risking walking away, risking your savings to, to build your dream business. You know, a couple of weeks ago we had a, a publisher of a magazine come on and she was talking about her struggles. And I know her personally, Jim. And one of the things that um, she talked about, and it and it kind of I never thought about that is the fear of other people's opinions and and you know people not being supportive and actually beating you down and what that can do to your spirit you know as a person that's trying to come out in and be an entrepreneur what would be your best advice for someone that does not have a support system and they actually are concerned about other people's opinions well, first of all, you should never become an entrepreneur without a support system of some sort, unless you're a genius and you know everything, which excludes just about everybody possibly listening to the call because that person really doesn't exist. Um, you know, you need to have a support system of whether you want to be in a mastermind group, whether you hire a coach, or just get into some sort of a, an association or somewhere where there's other entrepreneurs who you can bounce ideas off of and things like that. But, you know, what you're referring to is, is being thin-skinned. And, you know, I have, a, I have a filter that I personally use, and I've developed a thick skin over 12 years. But basically what you want to do, Maisha, is first of all, don't ask an opinion of somebody who doesn't have the right to give you uh, an answer. In other words, if, you have a, if your spouse is not an entrepreneur or doesn't understand marketing, um, don't be asking them, hey, what do you think of this ad or what do you think of this strategy or what do you think of this pricing or what do you think of this new product because they frankly don't know. And, you know, you may love them if they're your spouse or maybe a great friend, but if they're not qualified to give you an answer, don't do that because the answer you get is not going to be one, first of all, that you want to hear because it's going to be unqualified. But second, if it's going to steer you in the wrong direction, that's a very bad thing also. And the other thing you do is so when someone gives you an idea or, or something like that, you ask, are they qualified? Do I trust them? Um, and if you, if you can answer yes to both of those um, questions and go ahead and ask somebody's opinion, otherwise don't do it. You're only setting yourself up to uh, be derailed by, by negative thoughts and, and feelings. You know, that's powerful that you said that, and I'm probably going to come back and listen to just that part right there, what you just said, because in this 
age, in this day and age, with so much technology and so much information that's available to us, you know, you automatically think because that individual has a wonderful website or a presence about them that their information is for you. So how do you help entrepreneurs or what suggestions do you have for entrepreneurs to help them filter through all of this information that's available, you know, and, and not being confused and just stuck. Well, I don't know. Are you referring to just taking in everything and not being able to filter or make a decision yourself, or I'm not 100% sure what you're asking me? Well, well, there's so much information. And entrepreneurs, they say, okay, you know what, I want to start a business. I want to get out there. I have a product. I have a service, a program that I want to get out there. Um, but there's so much information, Jim, that's available to an individual. And we just talked about opinions and, and people not really having the knowledge. But the Internet makes it very easy for someone to say that they do have this. How do a fresh newbie, a, a new entrepreneur, figure out a credible informational sources uh, for you know, them in, in their businesses. Yeah, Maisha, there's an expression, success leaves clues or success leaves tracks. I've heard it both ways. So what you want to do is start following successful people. Um, just because someone puts up a website, um, just because someone calls himself a coach and says, hey, I charge $10,000 a day, doesn't mean they're worth ten dollars a day you know there's too many people out there calling themselves coaches or gurus or you know super spengalis or, or whatever you want to call yourself and yet if you look they, they haven't developed a business or a track record to to support that um, you know I have a pretty successful coaching program but I've also got 35 years in in entrepreneurial businesses I helped grow a franchise from 14 stores to 80 stores I built my own business reinvented it twice now run multiple six-figure businesses so when you go to approach somebody who's who you want to get information from whether it's free information or whether it's a paid coaching situation you ought to look at them and make sure they've done something other than uh, put their bragging suit on Mhm. Mm mhm. Exactly. And you know, another thing that I'd like to hit on is often you mention entrepreneur, and then and I do this too, and I and I talk about small business owners. This this show is called Empower Boss Network, which is for business owners, people that have a responsibility to others. But can you help me and others understand the difference between an entrepreneur and a small business owner? Yeah, a small business owner, and by the way, a small business owner can be an entrepreneur, so I'm sure I just confused everybody, but, you know, it's really, I think the, the answer, Maisha, is one of mindset. Now, if you think of it, let's think of a small business owner in your hometown. Maybe it's the guy who runs the hardware store or the jewelry store or whatever. He runs a bit, he or she runs a business, and let's just, let's just take a jewelry store owner. Suppose... They they rent out a, a a strip a store in a strip center you know two thousand square feet or fifteen hundred square feet and they set up their glass cases and they sell jewelry they repair watches they install watch batteries they do all these different things and they drive their business up to half a million and maybe they push it to a million dollars who knows that that's unimportant for this example but all they're doing in their head is thinking how can I push more jewelry sell more products etc cetera, etc cetera. now eventually there's going to be a point where if they are highly successful 
successful and, and they're just maxing out. They've got all the customers they can handle. They can't handle any more traffic. They can't fit any more cases or anything like that. The next thing that small business owner wants to do, Maisha, is look for a second location, right, because they are a jewelry store owner. The way an entrepreneur thinks is not simply how do I sell more stuff? How do I sell more of the product or service that I'm known for? An entrepreneur is somebody who uh, creates wealth. And wealth is created by, first of all, offering value and being a smart marketer. But wealth is also created by having multiple streams of revenue. So when, when one maybe dip or become unpopular or, or no longer needed, like typewriter or buggy whips, you know, you have multiple streams of revenue that are going to keep you going. And so let's use let's go back to my example of the jewelry store guy let's say he does a million dollars a year out of this little store and instead of opening another store you know he got, i'm sure every every small business owner becomes a, a member of some association or goes to trade shows and things like that and i'm sure there's if if all the other jewelry store owners are doing half a million in sales and he's doing a million i guarantee they're going to want to know hey how are you doing that what are you doing that's really great marketing. How are you selling so much more than we are, the average ticket? How come your customers come back six times a year instead of ours coming back twice? Then what happens is he can either write a book, he can go speak, he can develop a coaching program, he can develop at-home study courses. In other words, he can become an information marketer, and he can start doing all these different things to generate more revenue on top of his jewelry store business. That, that's kind of a, a quick example of, of the difference in mindset. That's good stuff. And I was just having this conversation yesterday, so that's powerful. So do you recommend, excuse me, do you recommend small business owners look for opportunities to have multiple streams of income? Do you recommend that they take on the entrepreneur mindset? Um, Because I've, I've, I've sometimes heard that it's not good to have all your eggs in one basket. And then I hear people say it is good to have all your eggs in one basket. So what is your thought on that? Well, it's not my thought. I'm going to give you the right answer. It's never good to have all your eggs in one basket. I mean, it's never good. One is the worst number in any business, all right? You want more than one revenue stream. You want more than one source of new customers. You want more than one uh, marketing program out there. Um, you want more than one, whatever the answer, fill in the blank. You want to have multiple. I mean, there's, very, there's been some very successful businesses even eight years ago that built million-dollar businesses using broadcast faxes as their main lead generator or sales generator, okay? And all of a sudden, I forget the exact date, but somewhere around five years ago, Congress passed a law that said you can no longer broadcast fax to people who don't opt in or say, yes, please send me your faxes. And instantly they shut down an entire industry, okay? Um, You know, Kodak, what was Kodak known for? Making film. Well, guess what? Digital cameras came along. I mean, you know, I think they still make cameras and a few things, but their main source of revenue is, is almost completely gone, and so there's a lot of examples like that yeah. where if, if you only have one source of, of revenue of generating uh, income, then you're, you're going to be in a you're going to be in a bad situation some point. Mm. That's that's powerful. 
That's powerful. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. So in your in your new book, stop waiting for it to get easier. Um, one of the things that you talk about is the true and real nature of business. So we're we're right along a great topic to uh, answer. Have have this question answered? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by the true and real nature of business? The true and real nature of business is is solving problems, adding value, solving problems, curing somebody's pain. Um, if you think about it, and by the way, the way, the reason I wrote that chapter, I think it was probably around May or June. I started writing the book in April, and um, I was sitting in the airport for an hour and a half waiting for my plane. I was going somewhere to give a speech, and um, and I heard these two people chatting behind me. You know how close those chairs are in the in the terminal, right? And so I'm sitting there, and um, I don't know, there must have been a story up on the news about some scrupulous business person. Oh, all them business people, they're all out for profit. What a bunch of cheats, and they all prey on other people's pains. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> Not that I said it. I didn't, I didn't want to get into a little skirmish there. But if you think about it, Maisha, you know, take a company like ServPro. ServPro is the company that goes in after a flood or a fire, and they, I think their tagline is, as if it never happened. Now, when you think about it, somebody experiences a flood or a fire, they're in a lot of pain, and they need help. And what do they want? They want their home fixed. They call a company like ServPro. They go in there with all their equipment and technology, and they get your house back to normal. And yes, first of all, they need to make a profit because they need to pay their employees. They've got a lot of overhead. They've got a lot of... Uh, insurance costs now which are extremely going up they've got marketing the owner is entitled whoever started the business he's entitled to make a profit because he's risked everything to start the business so yes that company exists to make a profit but the only reason it grows and makes a profit is because it solves a problem maybe on a, a much smaller scale if you think about um, windshield repair you know once in a while you get a, a stone comes up and hits your windshield and you get that little spider spider web uh, chip out of there if those, if, you know, and so you got a problem. You got to get that fixed. Well, there's companies that come out and, you know, take their suction cup and epoxy, and they and they make your windshield all better. They're entitled to make a profit for that. You know, not every business. I'm sure there's some that. Um, I guess if you said uh, a bakery is probably not a business that you know cures people pain, but I'll tell you what, if you ever go in a bakery, you said I want that. So you got a need at least, and they're providing your need. But many, many businesses exist and were started to address a problem. Mhm. Mhm. And that's that's why I I say you know your business is your is a ministry. You know, and. If you are faith-based, I don't know. I know that I'm faith-based and I'm a believer, and I just believe that in this season there are so many businesses that are either in need of some, you know, coaching and some help to continue. They have a strong vision. They have a strong product or service that people need, and they just don't have the techniques or the tips and strategies to help them grow their business and get, you know, to another level. Because maybe someone told them, okay, you need to put all your eggs in one basket and you need to focus on this, and they did that. And somewhere along the line, they lost that revenue to keep uh, their businesses flourishing and functioning. So uh, that's the reason this show is here, the Empower Boss, Net Boss Network show, is so that we can help businesses understand 
what the value is uh, in having a coach, having a mentor, and, and listening to uh, people that have had success like yourself. So uh, I'm glad that you're talking about this, and I'm going to make sure that I encourage my readers and listeners to listen again so that they can understand what small business uh, is about and how to really function. And I stress structure and order and getting systems in place for businesses. And it sounds like your book uh, helps small businesses do that. Um, I know that you talk about GPS, you, you know, your business's GPS. And I know that the G stands for guts. Um, but can you tell me, uh, describe what the guts really mean when it comes to small businesses? There's, there's, several, there's several areas where you're going to need guts in your business. First of all, um, let me just cover three. There's, it takes guts to start a business. I mean, you know, the, the survival rate of most businesses, I think, I forget the exact statistics. It's somewhere between 60 and 70% aren't around in five years. You know? So anybody can start a business, but those that are going to um, be successful, first of all, they've, they've you know, got some smarts, but they've also got guts to hang in there because it does take a while to, to build momentum and inertia. So the early stage of guts is actually pulling the trigger because everybody is full of ideas and you know, everybody thought of the pet rock, but one guy went out and actually did it, you know, that type of thing. And the second, the second stage, if you will, in the life of an entrepreneur where you really need guts is, is the lean years. And whether that's years one through two or three or five, whatever that looks like, it's different for everybody. But there's gonna, there are going to be many, many days when you have bills to pay and there's no income. Or maybe you've got bills to pay and you've sold something, but you're waiting to collect. Somebody's holding out for 60 or 90 days to pay you. I don't know what it is. But there's going to be times when you have no money and you've got bills to pay, and that's when it's going to take guts to either, you know, get a loan, borrow money, maybe, uh, you know, get a loan from a credit card, so to speak, whatever it is. You know, there's, there's a very, very good book that I would encourage everybody to read. It's called Three Feet from Gold. And basically the, the message of that book, by the way, Maisha, is that you dig and dig and dig and dig, and you have no idea. Maybe you've, maybe you've dug in this mine for, for a year and you, all you keep coming up is rock and dirt and rock and dirt, and then you quit. I can't take it anymore. This is obviously not going anywhere. And little did you know, you could be three feet from a gold mine or a diamond mine or something like that. In a way, that's very symbolic of what it's like starting a small business. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this. I've, I've been blessed with a lot of success lately, but my entire first year in business was revenue-free, as I call it, which means it took me over a year to get my first client. And I, so I know firsthand what that's like to have guts through those lean years and to be willing to borrow and, and charge you know, a certain amount of money you know, weekly or monthly as I needed it to pay my bills. And one of the things I said to myself is I'm okay borrowing this money, although it is very uncomfortable and it's, it's quite painful at times because you think this is the last time I'm going to do this. This is the last time I'm going to charge money or do this or that. And then, you know, I kept saying to myself, I, I know I'm going to be very, very successful, but I don't know when. And I'll be darned if I'm going to give up now after six months, after seven months, after eight months. And what happened in my case, Maisha, is, is I was working my butt off for a year, going to networking events, meeting people, making proposals, doing all these different things. And then 
At the end of month 12, I got my first client. It was a pretty big one. And then they started popping after that. So what I was doing for that whole first year was planting seeds, and eventually those seeds developed a harvest. The third stage of guts, as I describe it in the book, is, is happens after, as an entrepreneur, you've enjoyed some success. Maybe you've paid off debt and your, your business is rolling along. Maybe you've even got a support staff and you've got more responsibility and things are good right now. You come across another opportunity to grow, and this is where, again, the entrepreneurial mindset versus the small business owner mindset. Somebody brings you an opportunity, or maybe you have another idea, another business, another product, and you say, you know what, I don't know. Things are good right now. I'm making enough money, um, or you know, whatever the case is. I've got responsibilities. I've got payroll. I'm not really willing to do that. And what I say is it, that may be the right answer for you, but in a lot of cases, what I encourage people to do, especially wealth-creating entrepreneurs, is you want to muster all that... Um, all the guts you did when you initially pulled the trigger in your youth, whatever that may be, and and go ahead and, and keep growing your business because I don't think any of us were created for mediocrity. I think we're all created to do big things. And so you want to make sure you, you don't get uh, too comfortable after you've, you know, start earn, earning some good money. Yeah. Yes. That's powerful. And this next question is going to to lead our listeners into um, some powerful thinking because when we start talking about strategies and how, you know, to reinvent yourself as a business owner. And it sounds like almost, you know, that if you have a small business, if you are a small business owner, that that's okay, that's powerful, but you want to have the mindset of an entrepreneur for longevity um, in your businesses. Would you agree with that? Is that kind of what you're going with um, when you talk about differentiating between that, the entrepreneur and the small business owner? Yeah, that's where I would go. Now, it's very possible. I'm not saying it's wrong. If somebody, I mean, there are people who are very successful small business owners. Somebody may run a print shop, I mean, an automotive repair garage. He may, he may make, he could be making $100,000 a year and be very happy with that. And he's kind of maxing out how many cars he can repair, but he loves his life and that's all he wants to do. That is totally fine. All I'm suggesting is if, if you want to really grow to your, to your full potential, if that's what you want to do and if, if that's what you feel you're called to do, then there may be, may be other ways to, to generate an income. Um, and so that's, what I'm, that's the difference I'm talking about. Okay. So let me ask you this. I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, I watch Shark Tank quite a bit, and a lot of my entrepreneur friends and, and even my mom now is tuning in to Shark Tank. I mean, who would, awesome who would have thought? I mean, it's amazing, right? And um, I just I get into my zone when that show comes on. And so when I saw that Kevin Harrington uh, wrote the foreword uh, in your book, which, by the way, is amazing, um, can you tell us what that core message was and, and what were you able to learn uh, working with him? Kevin is an amazing person, and he, he really started like a lot of highly successful entrepreneurs as a kid in his teens. He was actually making, um, I think he was making sixty to $80,000 when he was 15 years old, um, selling either subscriptions or driveway sealer or something like that. And um, so he's always had the entrepreneurial spirit and bug. And um, I contacted him and told him I was writing this book about um, entrepreneurialism. And I said, we need to support and grow more entrepreneurs and small business owners. And 
and he said, um, you know, send me your manuscript. So I sent it to him, and he got back to me literally in like four or five days and said, not only do I agree with the core message of your book, I want to be part of this entrepreneurial revolution. I really, really think, you know, we need to spur on more entrepreneurs. And, you know, when you think of Shark Tank, as an as a as a viewer like I am, and you see some of these people that have good ideas. So you know, early earlier, I think kind of when we started this interview, Maisha, we talked about coaches and and and, uh, and mastermind partners. So in, in essence, that's what's happening in Shark Tank. So somebody comes up and says, "This is what I'm doing," and there you have before you five people, multimillionaires, a couple billionaires, telling you, "No, you should do this." Oh well, I disagree. I'm going to go do this. <laughs> you know, you could have. I mean, you could be passionate about your program, and that's fine, but this is where I'm talking about success leaves clues and take information from people who have earned the right to give it. I think some people are, are, are far too passionate and, and clingy, if you will, to what their, their original idea and, and original goals are, and that's a very good example, that show of, man, you've got to be open-minded. I mean, success is not a straight line. It is so full of you know, zigzags and go left, go right, go down, go up. I mean, when, when you finally build a successful business, when you turn around and look back at what you've accomplished, I mean, when I started my first business in October 2001, it, what I do now is nothing compared to what I did then. And, but I was open-minded and said, I want more. And I, and I started doing all these different things. And, um, and, but a lot of what I learned and a lot of what I was encouraged to do came because I listened to some very smart people. I was open-minded. I wasn't so buried that says, how do I grow? My first company was called Dynamic Communication. How do I grow dynamic? Yeah, but you should be doing this. I don't want to do that. Just tell me how to do this. You know what I mean? You've got to be open, open-minded and, and listen to the, some good advice from others. And, you know, I think that comes back to what I talked about as far as the inflow of information and having so many people available to you. And one of the things that I like uh, about you is the, your flow. You know, everything connects, and there's an ease of, uh, of connecting with you. And I think you have to find that as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, when you're looking for a coach or a mentor, you have to be able to connect with that person, and that's why I'm glad I had you. I have you on the show, um, and I feel that I feel the passion for your, you know, for what you do, and 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 wanting to help others. And I think that's important to connect with a coach, connect with a mentor that has the passion that to want to see you succeed. You know, and it's not about greed. It's not about finances, although we know that it takes financial transactions to actually have a business, you know, you want to connect with somebody that ultimately sees something inside of you and that has a passion and a desire to see you get to the next level. So I really appreciate that about you, um, Jim, and, and being able to, you know, just to have a heart heart for business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, I appreciate you saying that. There's three things that um – in, in what you just said. First of all, I believe everybody is blessed with a certain skill or talent, maybe a couple of them. And I think we're all called to, to help each other and to serve each other. And in some cases, that can, become, that can become your business. And if you want to call it a ministry, that's fine, but it can, that can become what you do. Um, the other thing you, know, you, you mentioned is it, it really pays. And the people that I have been around and the people that I've witnessed that are highly successful are very authentic. You can spot, you can spot the people, as I said earlier, that, oh, I'm a coach and I charge 10 grand a day and, and they, have, 
they, they have themselves haven't even done six figures yet. You can spot those people a mile away. I mean, maybe not because you're looking at their website because it looks really nice, but you have a conversation with them. You know what I mean? So it pays to be authentic. Um, part of the way, um, part of the way I do uh, that is I, I, I have nothing to hide. You know what I mean? Um, I, I put myself out there every week doing these videos. Been doing it for five years. I do a podcast every week. I write a newsletter. It goes out to 17,000 small business owners. I do a lot of things to, to help help entrepreneurs and small business owners grow. And I do that with a with a giving kind of a servant mentality because that in and of itself is a phenomenal lesson in how to grow a business. When you when you approach what you do as serving others, serving your customers, how can I help you? How can I make your life better? Instead of, i got to close a sale today, i got to close a sale today. When you approach your business that way, you can't help but grow. Um, I, I took on a new um, high-end coaching client a couple weeks ago, and the guy said to me after our at the end, near the end of our phone call, and I, I don't know, have you seen have you seen any of my videos, Newsletter Guru TV? Aisha? Yes. Yeah, I did. So, so you know in the beginning I, I'm standing on a dock and I jump off the dock, right? So I've been doing that okay. literally for, for five years. So the guy says to me at the end of the call, he says, you know, he said, Jim, I, I, I want you to coach me. He says, I've been watching you jump off the dock for two years. And, and I want you to coach me. Now, what that told me is he's been getting free information and free training from mm-hmm. me being authentic and sharing and, and trying to add value to people's lives. And, you know, the other thing I say all the time is people buy when they're ready to buy. He finally is ready to buy and ready to hire coaching, and that's why he chose me. And the third point I wanted to make is that there is there – is a plethora of free information, free training, and that's fine. Some of it's good, um, some of it may not be good. But when you are ready um, to grow your business, when you're ready to become a, a more profitable entrepreneur, I want to encourage everybody to invest in a coach or invest in a mastermind. It's one thing to get together with with other entrepreneurs and say, you know, hey, you're my accountability partner. Let's get together and help each other. And that's fine. I have nothing against that, but that's not what a mastermind, that's not what a coaching situation is. And furthermore, free information in a lot of cases is worth exactly what you're paying for it. Some of it's worth a lot more than you're paying for it because some of it's very good. But in reality, unless you're willing to put skin in the game, unless you're willing to invest, chances are you're not going to implement what you learn. And I've learned that a long time ago. You know, I, if, I had, if I took on two coaching clients this week, if I took on one for my normal rates and I took on one pro bono just because I felt like being nice, I guarantee you in a year from now the person who invested in the coaching will be substantially farther down the road than the person who didn't invest because, you know, they're just not invested in their own success. Right. Right. Well, it looks like we have a caller, so I'd like, if you don't mind, this caller to come on maybe and have a question for you. Are you open to answering any questions? I am I am totally open to that. I just want to let, let you know because we had to reschedule just at 1225. I do need to go because I have a call at 1230, so just, just so you know that. That's fine. Okay, awesome. Okay. Caller, thank you for calling the Empower Box Network show. You are on the air with Jim and myself. Do you have a question? Are you speaking to me? Uh, yeah, you called in. I Sounds have you. like Do it. you have a question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I didn't know I pressed one. I was basically uh, listening to the show. Wow. Um, oh. Definitely, 
definitely good information. Um, does he have, how many books do you have out? Do you have out, sir? I, I just published my fifth book. It's my um, fifth one since 2008. Yeah, great, great. Uh, I've been doing home-based businesses, and I, I know it's definitely important to have a, a coach um, no matter what you're doing. I appreciate the information. Uh, could you give me a website? Yep, you can go All right, to... Let me uh, tell you, I will put that on... I'm going to put that in the description section on the radio uh, show because he's not going to be on long, and I have a couple of more questions for him. So I will definitely okay. put his website on the description page for you, and I'm, I apologize. I should have did that at the beginning. And I want to also thank you for listening in, but we're going to go ahead and ask him the rest of our questions while we have him here, and then maybe we can Great. bring him back on another time because um, – uh, let me. I, I do want to get to this question real quick, Jim. Um, a, a while ago, I used to be an administrator for a nonprofit organization, and we were big on newsletters. We were big on providing information to our donors and our members and our supporters. Can you just hit on that just a little bit about why they call you the newsletter guru? <laughs> okay, well, I thought you were going to ask me why newsletters are so powerful, but this will be a slightly different answer. And, you know, this is something I, get, I often get asked, Maisha, and it's, it's going to be instructive, but the answer also has the potential to be like a head slapping, oh, that's pretty cool, or it's going to like popping the balloon. So I'll, <laughs> whoever's listening can take their own track. I, I am the newsletter guru because I called myself that. That's the key. You know, I'm gonna, what I'm going to tell you now is, is probably the most valuable piece of information I'll share in this entire interview, and this is for every entrepreneur. You will earn substantially more for who you are than what you do. I'll say that again. You will earn substantially more for who you are than what you do. You know, people want to do business with the person who's perceived to be the go-to authority in whatever niche or whatever industry you're interested in. People want to do business with the person who they perceive to be the expert in that area. And if you think about it, I mean, whether, you know, 12 years ago when I got cancer, I didn't look for just any doctor. I didn't run into the hospital and say, help me. I did some research and found out who's the top surgeon in Philadelphia that handled the type of cancer I had. I wanted to go to the best. And so what you want to do is you want to brand yourself. You don't wait for somebody. You don't, go to, you don't take a course. You don't go to some association and then put some, some letters after your name. You brand yourself with some kind of a... A, um, a title or an image or, or you, you create your own brand and then you boldly, confidently and continuously promote it at every opportunity. So when I started my business in 2001, four years later I kind of maxed out and that's when I kind of reinvented myself and um, I started learning about internet marketing and direct response copy and I had started, I had started using leverage in my business so I wanted to find a way that said listen instead of me creating a newsletter and then getting paid by one client at a time and then hoping and praying they come back next month or next quarter when I create newsletters now I get paid by hundreds of clients in nine different countries that use my templates and so that's some of the stuff I learned but I knew that if I was going to be attractive to these people if they were going to take me seriously they had to believe that I was the go to resource. So I was learning about 
creating celebrity, you know, creating a celebrity brand for yourself. And right about that time that I was learning about this strategy, an actual customer of mine from my first business, he was a sales trainer, and I I created a newsletter for him. And I always warn people, newsletters are a relationship-building tool. It's not going to work. 100% 100% with your first issue, so it's something that builds over time. It just so happens when we wrote, when we um, mailed his first newsletter, he got like three new clients from it. And this guy, his name was John. He called me up and said, "Hey Palmer, you're a newsletter guru, man. This is awesome." And I wrote, I wrote that down, and that's how I became the newsletter guru. So I hope that's that should be instructive and inspirational. If anybody thought I was knighted that for some reason, that's it's a little bit of a letdown. But it's all about positioning, and that's actually one of the things I write about in my book. It's about positioning yourself. You know, there's an expression. Maisha, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And so you only have to be a little bit smarter or perceived to be a little bit smarter than everybody else, and they're going to want you to be the one that they can, that can help them. You know, I'm so glad that I had, had you on the show because this gives uh, a lot of foundation to small businesses. And, you know, newsletters are amazing, and I still believe in them. I think that when the Internet started booming and, and you get, you know, that technology and you get away from that one-on-one interaction or that, you know, that touch and feel communication that's so important in businesses. And so having you on here and, and hearing you say, mailing out a newsletter, you know, connecting with your, your potential prospects or clients is still uh, credible and it's still important. And so that's powerful. And, and it makes me kind of rethink my strategy because I used to do it a lot, you know, back in um, – 2008, 2007, it was my main way of connecting. And so I'm glad we're going to have to definitely put that up there and learn more about how our businesses can get connected with you as far as newsletters go. But before I let you go, if I can just ask you one one question that can send you off with a bang here. I'd like to know what are some of the most powerful strategies for success that an entrepreneur can use to accelerate their growth? What would you give them before you leave today? Um, so I cover this in Chapter 8 of, of my book, Stop Waiting for It to Get Easier, Create Your Dream Business Now. But So actually the, the one I was going to give you, I just talked about, it's called Positioning. Um, so, and I think I did a good job on that, but let me just put a fine, a fine uh, point on it. If you are known as a commodity, so if you're an accountant, I mean, fill in the blank. I'm not picking on accountants, but whatever you do, um, if you are just one, you know, I, I, I addressed a, um, a couple hundred uh, podiatrists a couple, about a month ago, and I said, if anybody in your hometown looks up foot pain, foot care, you know, foot and ankle, podiatry, whatever, I guarantee whether it's Yellow Pages or Google, they're going to come up with you and probably, I'm guessing, 10 to 12 other people in your community. How are you going to stand out? In other words, what are you going to be known for? Are you going to be another foot and ankle specialist or are you going to be the one that specializes in handling runners? Are you specialized in handling, you know, people that have diabetes foot problems? Or are you going to be known as fill in the blank? In other words, you want to niche yourself and be known as the go-to authority. My, my accountant is known as a guy who handles small businesses that work with QuickBooks, so, which is kind of interesting. So however you're going to brand yourself, because when you're a commodity, you're going to be driven by the lowest price. When you create a brand, 
yourself as the go-to authority, you're going to make more money. So the, the second one I'll give you, Maisha, is something called risk reversal. You know, when you're working with a prospective client, and taking them down the sales funnel or just meeting with them or however that works, you know, in, in your world. Um, basically, even if you're doing a great job, there's a little voice inside the head of every prospect that's going, yeah, but what if? What if? What if? What if this doesn't work? What if it goes bad? What if you don't do what you say you're going to do? In other words, they're playing the what if game. And the only way you're going to move past that and close more sales is to reverse the risk. Because in a lot of situations, the risk is perceived to be on the buyer. So what I think, if you offer a great product, and we're going to assume everybody listening to this call um, is is above boards and runs a you know a moral and you know ethically based business, um, and so you're providing great value. If that's true, and, and and you do provide great value in a service, or if the product you sell has immense value, then stand behind it and offer a kick butt guarantee. And that's not a 30 day you know, money-back guarantee. Because what happens if you say, listen, if it doesn't work within 30 days, you're going to get your money back. If you try something like that, what's going to happen is the minute they buy it, if they buy it, they're going to start the countdown clock. Well, I've only got 29 days, 28 days, 27 days. If I'm going to get my money back, I've got to make sure this works. A lot of people get busy. If you're if you're a service-based business, they might not use it right away. If you look at companies like L.L. Bean, right, they're you know, based in Maine with the outdoor clothing and things like that, they have an unconditional, no time limit guarantee. They've taken back boots and stuff that was 30 years old, and they give somebody a new pair, and you go, well, that's ridiculous. Well, why do they do that? Because those people talk about L.L. Bean. They're, that company grows even in the worst recession. And so what you want to do is reverse the risk. Just by way of example, when I sell you know, one of my information products, a training product, I'm, I'm looking at one right now. It's called Double My Retention. It's a course, um, CDs and, and transcripts of exactly how I got my average client to stay twice as long with my business. So I created this. It's called an information product. And what I say in the um, sales letter for that on, on my website is I want you to take this and use it for a year. Implement any of these strategies. If you implement them all, it's a home run. But I, I really think if you implement even one or two of these strategies in a year, you're going to, if you don't, I think on this one I said, if you don't make five times the money you paid for it, I think I sell for $200 or something like that. So if that doesn't generate at least $1,000 in new revenue, I'll give you your money back. So what I've done is I've reversed the risk, okay? So I've taken it all upon me because I know the information is true. What a lot of entrepreneurs think, and I can, t I can just tell, I can feel the vibes right now on this call. Somebody's going, oh, my God, they're going to all be, they're going to get my information, they're going to use it, and then they're going to get their money back. Yeah, I think 2%, maybe 3 or 4% of the population of your buying public might be dishonest. But what's going to happen is you have to market yourself to the honest folks, to the folks who are seeking value. So you're going to end up selling selling so much more product that the folks that do ask for refunds, it's going to be an insignificant number. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on and giving my listeners so much value. You are the author of uh, five books, you know, and, and the newest one being Stop Waiting for It to Get Easier. Um, 
create your dream business today. And so I am going to put your link and your information on how people can get in touch with you in my description page because I think that that's important that they do get connected with you. Uh, you gave away probably something you should have charged for today on the radio show, so I really appreciate you taking time out to do that for our listeners. Um, and now you have to go, so I'm going to let you go, but is there one last-minute thing that you would like to share with my listeners that they can take away from um, today and be encouraged and empowered as a boss? You want to be in action. And I just want to make sure the website is the newsletterguru.com. That's the one that you should give out. That's kind of the home base for everything. Um, okay. But you want, you want to be in action, okay? Ideas are a dime a dozen. It's the people who implement and get stuff done are the people who are moving things forward, okay? Um, I, have a, I have an expression called it's massive action time. Now, my wife is away at a seminar these last three days, and just the way I am, you know, if she's not here, I don't exactly get up and go sit on the couch at what I perceive to be 5 o'clock at the end of the day. I've been working hard for three days, and I am in massive action mode. I've created so much content. I've gotten so much done. Those are the people who are, are really kicking it, Maisha. You've got to be in massive action. Being an entrepreneur, especially a highly successful entrepreneur, is, is not for the faint of heart. It's a lot of work. There's some, there's clearly some stress and some worry that goes with it. But if you, if you make some good moves, if you invest in yourself, if you always are in action, providing value, sharing your skill and your knowledge and your talent, I think you're going to do well. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Jim. I know this won't be the last time we hear from you, and I know I have to let you go. And I, and I just want to thank you for coming on to the Empower Boss Network show. You have a great day. My pleasure. God bless. Take care. Thank you. Well, I'm super excited. We have had Jim Palmer, the newsletter guru, on our show. I think he gave so much value today that you can take away. I hope that you re-listen to the show and you write down some of those strategies and those techniques that we talked about. And if you care to pick up his book, Stop Waiting for It to Get Easier, Create Your Dream Business Today, that can be picked up on his uh, website, thenewsletterguru.com. The link will be in the description page, and you can find out more about our guest, Jim Palmer. And, and before I leave you all, um, I want to reiterate about what this show is, the Empowered Boss Network show, is about encouraging you and empowering you to continue with your vision and your dream of whatever business that you started. Tune in every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time where we'll be giving you tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your, next, your business to the next level or if you're getting started, how to lay a strong foundation. The thing is not to uh, build your business on sinking sand, you know, where you have it going full force at the beginning and then at some point it begins to sink because you did not build it on a strong foundation. And the reason that I, I stress that is because that was my story. My story coming out uh, was I had this dream, I had this vision 
to do several businesses, and I did them, and they were successful, and then I fell. I fell really hard because I did not understand um, how to lay a strong foundation for my business. And so I believe that you learn and you teach. So some of the things that I've learned, some of the people that I've connected with and, you know, been able to build a mastermind group around, I want to bring them on the show to help you either uh, prevent you from going through that same thing or help you um, from being stuck and getting on with your business and not having to shut down. So I hope that you have found value in this show. I hope that you are continuing to believe in your business, believe uh, in your dream and in your vision, and that you'll stay connected to the Empower Boss Network show. This is Maisha Guy, your host, and I am glad you tuned in. We'll catch you on the next show next Thursday. Bye-bye. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.